Hi there, this is Emily Williams, Disability Advisor for the Diocese of Leicester, and you're listening to the Disability in the Church podcast, a place where I chat to different guests all about disability inclusion within the Christian church. I hope this will be a place where we can learn together, make mistakes together, and spark new ideas together. This episode was recorded remotely during the UK lockdown, therefore the sound quality might not be as good as normal, but the content is still fab. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to my podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you find this podcast fun and thought-provoking, but also really helpful. Previously, we've spoken with Becky about Makaton and using it in faith-based settings. We've spoken to Karen about hearing loss and deaf ministries. And today I'm joined by Kay Morgan-Gurr. Kay is the co-founder of the Additional Needs Alliance, a consultant and advisor in disability and additional needs, a council member of the Evangelical Alliance, and herself lives with two neuromuscular diseases and is visually impaired so okay after I've given you that rather you know jazzy snappy introduction um <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself um and just tell us how at the start of your career you first got into this field oh it's quite a story actually um, oh, great <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to help on a camp for children with additional needs uh, which I absolutely loved started doing that when I was 14 and Quite often kids wanted to know more or they became Christians and we couldn't get them into churches. So quite a few were wheelchair users, quite a few used crutches or other aids to get around. Others were just wobbly, but we just couldn't get them into churches. And where we could, it just didn't work. You know, people complained about or they keep coughing or they keep shouting something out or you know what it's like. (laughs) I'd love to say that doesn't still happen, but it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had a a little argument with God about it and said, this wasn't fair. And he said, well, actually, this is what I want you to do when you're older. If you see the need, go and do something about it. So that sort of set the plan for the rest of my life. I trained to be a nurse, specialised in paediatrics, and then specialised again in additional needs. And absolutely loved it. Started with neonatal intensive care and then specialised even further into uh, neurological and weird syndromes. Wow, you sound terribly educated and smart right now. (laughs) Um, No, this is the one that has not even got a diploma, let alone a degree. (laughs) um, it's just a love for for the kids that need that little bit extra it's nothing more than that Um, after that um, I started to cut down my hours in nursing went to work on a a day unit that um, helped with all the diagnoses of children with additional needs and in those days we helped to actually put in place the care plans that were needed in school but it doesn't work like that anymore. I bet that was really interesting to be a part of the diagnosing like diagnosing side of it. Yeah I I was doing this more the assessment so I'd play with the child and get them to try and do certain things so that the consultant would be watching and seeing what I was doing and seeing the reactions that I was bringing about because of the way I was playing with them so you just sort of know how to do things to assess them yeah yeah wow so, that's fascinating yeah I, I as again I keep saying I just loved it <laughs> well uh, you can tell that you're in this job because of a love for it that you can, yeah. you can tell that well as I, I go on with the story it now sort of takes two sort of sides 
um, I started to get some really weird symptoms. I've had them since I was born, actually, but we'd never thought much about it. Uh, but they were getting worse. Um, I was struggling to walk. At one point, they thought I'd had a stroke and I got admitted into hospital, um, cutting down a lot of my working time. And still feeling this calling from God. Then I went to, uh, am I allowed to name a rather well-known um, conference? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> I went to Spring Harvest. <laughs> and um, there went to hear somebody speaking it was a guy from the evangelical alliance in leicester and he said i've got this vision now this is going to put this a time on on this which is quite interesting it was a few years before the millennia turned <laughs> okay <laughs> that we would have two thousand more children's evangelists by the year 2000. Mm. we especially want those that have got a love and interest and an expertise in children with additional needs and disabilities. Wow, that's quite, I'm just thinking that's 20 years ago. That's quite ahead of its time almost in like church yeah. circles. About 28, 29 years ago. Yeah, like <laughs> that's really, in terms of church, that's quite ahead of its time. It was, which is why it stood out to me. Now, I was still on sick leave and I was there on crutches. Uh, and going to God, now you want me to do this job. There is this guy in front of me saying, we want people to do this job. I can't do it on crutches. If you want me to do this, you're going to have to, now note my wording, make me well enough to do the job. <laughs> I didn't ask for healing. I didn't get healing. But as is the want with one of my conditions, I didn't need the crutches the next morning, but it actually took me about five hours to realise I wasn't using the crutches. <laughs> That's so funny. So I asked, I asked to be well enough, but then I just kind of didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah. So I still had the diseases I have, and um, the, the other one has been given a name. The other one was given a name just before that. And um, it, it just went on from there. So I still had the pain levels, but I was able to work. And with everything I've needed to do, I have always been well enough to do the job in hand. Amazing. So, but now, of course, as you said, I know disability because I now more often than not need to use a wheelchair. I'm sort of semi-permanent wheelchair user. And um, the, both diseases have affected my eyes quite considerably. So if you were seeing me on the video today, you'd actually see me squinting at the screen. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. I hadn't. I didn't know how else to record this. So no, that's absolutely fine. Terrible. I'm very sorry. I should look into that though and work out how to record it in a better way for other people. Um, so I guess that leads us, like, continuing your professional journey. Um, where did the Additional Needs Alliance come up? When did you do that? How did you cook up that idea? What is it? <laughs> oh well, having spent my first year in kids work, in general kids work. Um, I worked with Scripture Union as their, their first ever intern and their trustees were absolutely brilliant in advising me and they said nobody's actually doing this work at the moment so we would suggest create a name for yourself in general children's work but while you're doing that we would like you to write a thesis on what you think which I did presented it they were shocked <laughs> And they supported me through just looking at various things and how I could actually move forward. 
when I finished with Scripture Union, I started with an organisation I'm actually still with, used to be the general director of Children Worldwide. And there we started meeting other people at thinking in the same way. From that, I was then doing training, like the, what is now called the Hand in Hand Conference, came across the amazing Matt Summerfield, who anybody that's been in kids' work previously will actually know Matt. He's not doing kids' work per se now. But he introduced me to their manager of all the stuff that they do. So, you know, he wasn't doing kids' work himself, but he did have a son with autism, and his name is Mark Arnold. Aha! <laughs> we met up together in 2004, no, 2012. Wow, that was wow. a while ago. Wow. <laughs> I remember him sitting on our sofa in our front room and us just talking and going, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. What are we going to do about it? Because I just felt this was a job I could not do myself. I needed a team of like-minded people around me. But this was God's timing to the point where people were ready to listen, enough people were shouting, and enough people cared enough to spread it further. And with Mark and myself put together, we did a forum in Eastbourne just before the Children's Ministry Conference to launch the Additional Needs Alliance. You wouldn't believe how much thought went into that name. <laughs> well, and you know what, I think I would believe it, because. I, I mean, I've still not at recording. I've still not named this podcast, and I like it's a field where there's a lot of taboo words. There's yeah. a lot of words that some people are pro and some people are offended by. And yeah. yeah, no, I can believe a lot of a lot of thought had to go into that. Absolutely. Well, um, end of so February 2013, the Additional Needs Alliance began. Amazing. And today we have 2,523 members. That's incredible. Amazing. Well done. Round of applause. Round of applause. Um, so I understand the Initial Leaders Alliance has four aims. It does. Um, have you got them in front of you? I don't. I should have done, shouldn't I? <laughs> have you got them in front of you? Just because I, I have the, the web page in front of me, but accessibility wise, yeah, spring, the, 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 the Facebook has actually changed all of the settings and made them very inaccessible. Of course it has. How helpful. So I can no longer get to it. Here we go. I have the four aims. So aim one, encouraging conversations about children and young people who have additional needs and disabilities. Aim two, resourcing the church to make inclusion and belonging a reality. Aim three, strengthening resilient, resilient faith regardless of ability. Oh, I love that one. Strength four, creating a passion for action and change. How did they, how did they come about? Why were they what was really important? Um, at first, it was um, we only had three, which was one, two and four. Um, Interesting. Third was my favourite. <laughs> yeah, and mine. How that came about was um, I'm also chair of Children Matter, which is not an additional needs thing, but we are an organisation that really believes in the development of faith in children. So with people behind Faithful Generation. And within that, both me and Mark are on that exec group. 
Wow. Both of us have a passion for the spiritual development of children with additional needs as well. So we said, we need to put this in. We're both passionate about it. So we agreed a wording to actually go into that. Um, just because we see that quite often, even if churches are really good at the physical inclusion and making children feel safe, that's where it ends. And it's almost as if, well, the spiritual side is just a step too far. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it is, it is two different journeys, isn't it? Um, yeah. I've definitely found that. And often two very different skill sets mm. needed. Um, yeah, no, I would agree. That is two quite different things. Um, so, I, I mean, I've used the Additional Needs Alliance numerous times. Um, it's brilliant. There is a plethora of resources on the website. There's information, there's blogs, partner blogs, which I think are really informative, actually, really easy to read, but you learn quite a lot. They're, they don't feel heavy and academic, and yet their content is actually very educational. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's, I've, just, I've said there's loads of resources, everything from sample like policies and profiles right through to fiddle box ideas and creative, creative prayer activities. Um, what, what, like, what do you think about everything on there? How do you decide what goes on there, what's needed? Um, we try to leave it fairly open. Um, we work directly from the Facebook group. So a lot of those resources come from there. Now the partner blogs are written by those of us that would be the core team. So it's not just me and Mark, we have an amazing core team around us. And so you'll see uh, the additional needs blog father, which is Mark. Um, you should see, I hope some stuff from um you know i've just forgotten names <laughs> um lynn mccann who does some amazing work on learning disability and autism they're not the same thing yeah, autism no. to learning disability i need to say that <laughs> <laughs> that's fine you say it <laughs> um and if if i'm writing on there because i don't tend to blog very much um, because it's actually my prayer partner blog. It's not about writing elsewhere. I write for other people. So I will share the odd blog on there. Or if a, a big question comes up actually in the Facebook group, I will blog about it directly onto the Additional Needs Alliance page. Mm. So we've said there's a Facebook group. Um, there's also the website. So when I'm talking about resources and things like that, that's everything I've found on the website just for those of you listening and wondering um, if you've not checked it out do check it out um, if you need something the odds are it is there um, i found it can take a lot of a lot of the hard work and a lot of the legwork out of some elements of um, inclusion so i mean what's to lose take a look um, Kay, because you've got such a broad range um, of experience and work experience in the field of additional needs, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about children specifically. Um, I have some thoughts and experience myself, but I was wondering what you think the main issues facing children's inclusion within the church today are. Ooh, a, a few things. First one is fear. Yes, amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sometimes wonder why people are so fearful of any form of disability or additional need. You know, as a grown-up using a wheelchair, people are afraid of me. And I don't really get that, because I'm an incredibly smiley person. And you wouldn't think people would be afraid. 
even when you're having a day that you're in pain, you're still very smiley and you'd never know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God pressed too hard on my mouth when he was making me, so it's all stuck in a grin. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but I find it more with children. Um, people don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Um, sometimes people will cross the road to avoid it. So if friends will cross the road to avoid talking to the parents and seeing the child, what are they going to do in church? Um, the, the other thing is um, health and safety. Ah. Is a massive issue and it shouldn't be. I think people are using it as an excuse, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> so some children have been turned away because they're a health and safety risk to the other children. And it's been said that black and whitely. Yes, it has been said directly to the parents. Sometimes face to face, sometimes by email. And I think saying that by email is despicable. If you need a conversation like that, don't use email. I don't, I don't have a response to that. I, d I honestly don't know what to say. <laughs> so, Can you expand on that? I'm not sure how, maybe because I work in the field, I can't see how a child would be a health and safety hazard. Um, so two stories. Yes, please do. Yeah. Um, I was doing some training somewhere up north. Um, I won't stipulate where up north. And father came to me at the end and he said, my child has Down syndrome. And she's really good. We've worked hard with her. She loves craft, but we've just been told she can no longer come to the Sunday school because she would be a health and safety risk when we're doing craft, especially in the use of scissors. And she might do things with the dried pasta. She might do this, she might do that. So they've given some instances. He said, most of the children in my child's group, five to seven year olds, don't know how to use scissors. My daughter does. But they're saying that she's a health and safety risk. So do you think that was, do you think that was an issue of prejudice, fear, and un, 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 just an unwillingness to approach the unknown maybe maybe they've never had a child with down syndrome before it's the other problem that i would list alongside the fear and the health and safety which is presumption yeah so they have presumed that a child with a learning disability can't do anything but harm other children that breaks my heart i've mm. never actually come across that and I, i'm very thankful i've not um but that's heartbreaking yeah so we've had that one and um, a young man um, who was autistic, um, he is going to lash out at the other children if he loses it. Oh, and by the way, if we do have him, can you come in and do, uh, teach us how to restrain. My reaction was, um, I think you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> That's no, really I'm not going to teach you how to restrain. I'm going to teach you to not get to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th I was going to say that's what's key. I've worked with children where, for my own safety, I have had to be trained on how to restrain them. However, right. a key part of that training is how to not get to the stage where they need to be trained, uh, where they need to be restrained. Absolutely. And I've also been in a Sunday school where we've had a young, we've had a child that that can be very, that can lash out and can be violent. And if that happened yeah that, that we would all be at risk in that room 
Um, however, that child has, we've still welcomed him in. He's still come. I've been in the room solely for the purpose of that child. That child didn't know that. I, I wasn't a one-to-one. -one. I didn't have a big badge on, but I was there just like, I was with all the children, but because I had the key, the skills to de-escalate, that's why I was in that room. Um, and actually he had a great, we had a great time. He goes all the time now. I'm not there. I'm not even part of that church anymore because they've taken on the role. They've built that relationship. Um, they've got to know the individual child. They've got to know the family. Um, so I guess in a way I sort of, I sympathize with the fear initially when you've seen a child lash out. It is scary and you think, oh my goodness, how am I meant to deal with that situation? What am I meant to do about the other children that are in my care? But like we said earlier, acknowledge that fear. It is fine to be scared, but don't let that fear be a barrier is what I would say. Like chat, chat to parents. Normally these parents are really open. The fact that you say, oh, I'd really love to have him in Sunday school. How can we support him? Like they'd love that. Absolutely. Communication all the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? That's part of why I'm doing this podcast is because people are a bit scared to talk about it and ask questions. And so you can listen to it first, get a bit of confidence, get learn a few things and then go and talk to people. Hopefully um, is kind of my hope, I guess. Um, so what good things have you seen happening? Give me some success stories or some examples where you think, oh, that church handled it really well that you want to share and have others learn from. Yeah. Did some work with another church, actually strangely in the same town as the, the first story I told yeah, wow. a different church. And I went to them and the first thing they said was, we already have children, we want to keep them, and we want to know how to love them properly. We don't want to other them. We oh. know we've made mistakes and we've actually been and talked to the parents where we know we've made mistakes and owned up. Wow. We've done this wrong, we've noticed you're not coming, we wanted to check how you are and ask what we can do better. I mean, fair play. That's amazing. That was their opening lines. And I went, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, that's incredible. And yeah. And they use disabled people as part of their team. So one of their team was autistic. Uh, somebody else was a wheelchair user. So, you know, upfront leadership within the children and the youth were people with disabilities. So win-win all the way around. I just love them to bits. I mean, that's fab. And that just goes to show, no one knows what they're doing. No one knows everything. You don't know how to get everything right. But if hold your hand up and be like, that didn't go well. What can we do better another time? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what's important. Yeah, I get it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I get it wrong all the time. <laughs> I think this field is trial and error, isn't it? It's trial and error. Yeah, and with the change of language, it makes it a lot harder. You know, I temper my language according to the audience I'm speaking to um, because I know they will understand that language. So I'll introduce them to this language. Um, but then somebody else is watching it remotely and they will go, but you shouldn't be using that language because they're used to the other language. So I'm constantly having to say, you will hear me say this as shorthand as for what you know. <laughs> yeah. So what we're recording this in lockdown lockdown 2.0 in the uk um what what have you seen going on during like during lockdown all of church really has moved online kids ministry has moved online 
um I say moved there was plenty of that happening before but it's the first time that everything's had to go online um what I think I think it's been quite hard for kids to have to engage online and uh my husband's a trainee vicar and is involved in all the kids and youth work at his church and you know youth club on a Thursday night on zoom oh to keep them engaged is really hard um what what can we do what can, help what can we do Kay <laughs> All right. I've been talking a lot around various denominations on the hybrid approach because um, it's been a mixed bag. So some children have engaged much better with the church. Yeah, since it's been online, you mean? Absolutely, because yeah. they can predict. There's nothing going to whack them in the face, not literally, but you know what I mean? The sudden sound, the sudden movement, the sudden lights, Yeah, anything that would not be good even down to the air freshener in the toilet being too strong yeah um they haven't got to deal with lots of faces they can just see what's on the telly if the music's too loud they're in control they can turn it down or off <laughs> so it's been easier and some of the families in the additional needs alliance have said my child has related to these services more than they ever could and the parents have said, I've not been asked to take my child out into the children's work and stay with them. I've been able to listen to a whole sermon. <laughs> and if my child's having a bad day, I can go and listen to it tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So there are some good stories. Great. Um, as Mark, my colleague, polled a lot of the families to see what they wanted to say about lockdown and how the church has dealt with them. Some have been great, but the majority said no one has talked to us in six months. As in like one-on-one -on -one contact? Yeah. Wow. Um, where stuff was going out to the kids, nobody said, do you want this? Is this going to be helpful? They either had something that was just no use at all dropped off on their doorstep, or they were missed off the list because nobody knew what to do with them. Wow. Nobody I'm, actually I'm clearly, very, I'm clearly very fortunate because that hasn't happened here. That's horrible. That's that's sad. And again, do you think that's the the fear that I don't know how to adapt this material? I don't know what to do with this family. So I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. I'm going to defend children's workers here. Mm -hmm. Many of them were on furlough. I mean, that is true. Like. At, not even just children's workers lots of church staff were on furlough yeah um i mean it, they were having to work from home if they've got children of their own everyone suddenly had to juggle a lot yes and um, just chatting to them as, as children matter we've been putting on regular webinars just to be there for the children's workers with different subjects and everything and you'll find some of them saying I was on furlough but still expected to do the children's work <laughs> so what bit is your volunteer bit you can still do that and it seems as if what they do on a Sunday is the volunteer bit it isn't their paid role but that means they can't do anything in the week because they're going to break the government guidance on what being furloughed is mm. so what do you do when you've got all these kids and you're not allowed to prepare for it you're just supposed to present something so you know i'll jump to the children's workers defense on that one yeah i mean yeah 
and quite often it was having to be run by the volunteers in the church who have been trained but they're doing full-time jobs at the same time whilst homeschooling their children whilst whilst doing that yeah and i quite often said just ring at a time that suits and have a chat i say that a lot a lot of the time i think when communication is missed it's not intentional like accidents happen life gets busy like poke people remind them that you're there yeah exactly now so have some questions just have three questions written on a bit of paper because if you're met with hostility you're going to forget those questions and i'm not blaming the parents for any hostility because everything has been lost by children that have additional needs their respite care has gone their counselling has gone if they need it their therapies have gone everything went in that first lockdown yeah it was brutal it was brutal and many of them are still not back in school (laughs) because they're shielding no because oh they don't know how to follow the protocols (laughs) right (laughs) other reasons yeah yeah. a lot of reasons i'm simplifying it an awful lot there so if you ring a family after six months and say, how are you doing? You might well get met with some hostility. I don't blame the parents. No, that might've been the parents only chance to offload. They've not, yeah. they can't see anyone. They don't have a support system. They might need to shout at you and they're not shouting at you really. They're shouting at the situation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I would say, have your questions written down, especially if you're one that doesn't do that sort of, you know somebody coming at you even though it isn't actually aimed at you you're just the person that's there yeah um just to say yes i'll take that yeah you know don't give an excuse just say yeah i'll take that Uh, because an excuse might just exacerbate (laughs) yeah i think i think you're really right actually i'd never thought about that A, a family that have been completely abandoned essentially in this time you as the children worker ring that parent or get rung by that parent you'd probably just need to be an ear and say the right things and verbally hug um yeah no i think that'd be that's actually a really valuable thing isn't it yeah i'd say what do you need as a parent and what does your child need and it might be something really really simple i just need a human to talk to yeah and for the child they might not be able to do because they're so stressed connecting with anything is going to be really really hard so the biggest gesture is something that loves so my follow-up question would be what does your child love most nice and remember that because you might drop something off that is to do with the teaching that is not suitable for the child but you can drop it off completed. So if there's a craft idea in there and that child doesn't do craft, have the craft completed. This is what everybody's doing. And then just a sentence on what it means. Mm. So the craft actually stands for a lesson we've learned. This is what we learned. The craft acts more as a visual visual aid, doesn't it then? Yeah. But then, so if they're into trains, just something to do with a train, uh one group i actually advised you know we know that the weight of this child's heart is their stomach just put a freddo bar in it 
<laughs> so one thing that is different to every other child that makes them feel remembered yeah reminds them of their value and their worth and yeah so it's not teaching them anything other than we value yeah yeah we value you for, we're, for here, you. we're here for you we know you as a person yeah yeah i really like that Oh, I feel like we've got quite deep then. I'm a little bit emotional. Um, <laughs> I thought to end, I would ask you a lovely broad question. Very easy to answer, of course. Um, why is it everybody's responsibility to include and to be aware? Um, it's everybody's responsibility to be pastorally responsible for everybody else. Oh. Um, I was speaking on this on the premiere thing last weekend right for the ground level pastoral care we all need to be looking out for each other amen if we're all looking out for each other it helps on the crisis care now when it comes to disability and additional needs crisis is going to happen much quicker especially at the moment so we need to be aware where things aren't accessible because that is part of our pastoral care mm. the bible teaches us that we are supposed to look out for other people we're supposed to have compassion now when the bible talks about fatherless it's not just talking about orphans it is about all of those that do not fit into the, the natural way the family those that are vulnerable those that need care so, you know, it's a Bible imperative to care for all of those that might not be able to care for themselves. Now, they might not be able to care for themselves in a church setting just because it's not accessible to care for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you have somebody with a wheelchair, everybody thinks they know what they're doing on that. We stuck a ramp in and we've got an accessible loop. Whereas actually there's a pile of chairs just at the top of the ramp and the accessible loo is being used as a storeroom. So you can't actually fit a wheelchair in it. So what's happening at the top of the ramp? But as we know, disability is more than a wheelchair. So, you know, how do we help those that have a visual impairment to see what's going on? You know, can they see what's on the screen, especially if you're actually watching on a live stream at home and the words are superimposed over a band that's moving around? Yeah. And you can't see the words. Uh, the way that we actually do information is quite often illegible. So we're caring for people in the way that we do that. Yeah, I'm just giving you vague ideas at the moment. No, no, that's it's really simple top tips, isn't it? Really practical things yeah. that you can tweak. So we have this way of trying to be perfectionists and actually being a perfectionist is not accessible. Yeah. You know, we want to have our screens looking perfect with everything. You know, I, I don't want a plain background. I want it to look fancy so that people like it. Whereas actually you don't have to be disabled to not to be able to cope with a fussy background. Yeah. So if you're putting everything onto a plain background, if you're using slides for a sermon, say, or for your song words or whatever you're doing for the children, your dyslexic kids won't be able to read it. Your dyslexic adults won't be able to read it. 
your older people with fuzzy eyesight won't be able to read it, people with a pain disorder that are very uncomfortable, or their energy is going into sitting, therefore they have no energy for seeing. So they won't be able to see it. Pregnant women, when you're actually, <laughs> your head is full of hormones and you're going scatty, you can't read a busy screen. So you don't have to be disabled for it to be helpful. So next time somebody Simple. says, Simple is better. Yeah. What, why should I do that for one person? Well, actually, you're probably helping three quarters of your church by doing this. Yeah, no, that's a really, because I, I, I get asked that question a lot. Is it fair to make a change for what is such a small percentage? And yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not just about that small percentage. The odds are you're helping a lot of other people as well that you don't realise. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for chatting with me. That's uh, brought me to the end of the episode. Uh, you, you guys at home, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. Um, be sure to go on to the Additional Needs Alliance. And yeah, I'll speak soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disability in the Church podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, then you can head to the Diocese of Leicester website and search Disability Resources for Churches. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time. Bye.